0: You are listening to Divorce Happy Hour. This is Christina Previtt here. And today, John Nockler is on vacation. He's abandoned us. So we have in his place Jennifer McCaskill. Say hi, Jen. Hello. Hello. She's got a sexy voice. Oh, yes. Um, So Jen is also a, a divorce lawyer in New Jersey, and she practices in Monmouth County? Primarily
1: Monmouth County. I go to Monmouth, Ocean, Middlesex, and Somerset. Okay. That's it. But
0: if you go to Middlesex, you would use us. You wouldn't use Jen. Okay. <laughs> just telling you. I'm just going to put that out there. But Jen does mediation.
1: I do a lot of mediation. What? I do a lot of parent coordinating.
0: That must be fun.
1: It's a thankless job, but I do it.
0: Well, what I think it's interesting about the parent coordinating is you really get the worst high conflict cases. Yes. Because what a parent coordinator is, if you don't know is basically like an intermediary for a couple when they're getting a divorce or maybe after the divorce, whenever they have a parenting dispute. So if you can't agree on what color socks your child should wear, and that becomes World War Three, you would use Jen.
1: Yeah, I do a lot of parent coordinating. I describe myself as the referee, and then I make the call. So people... People have to give me the power to make the call, to make the recommendation that's binding unless and until they go to court to overrule me Um, or else it's just mediation. And then we're just spinning wheels because if if parties need a parent coordinator because they can't agree on what color the sky is, then you have the parent coordinator has to have power to be like, yes, no, shut up, stop it.
0: And you're very good at that
1: you are it comes naturally i mean she, she's just naturally bossy it's but true. she
0: doesn't um you know she doesn't beat around the bush she's not always polite
1: right no i'm not polite um and i i'm missing that filter of diplomacy <laughs> like i i literally I, i'm a very aware of my limitations and Diplomacy is not my strong suit.
0: But people need that sometimes, especially, I think, when they're in the throes of a really nasty divorce. We're not talking about the amicable divorce, right?
1: Right. We're talking about the people who literally had a horrible divorce, and now they're already divorced, and they still can't get along. And it's really bad for their kids.
0: Yeah, it is. That's the worst part. So that actually is a good segue into the topic that we're going to do today, which is how do you can make your divorce super duper dysfunctional. <laughs> some of you are doing a wonderful job of that. But for those of you who would like to know how you can make your, your divorce dysfunctional, we're going to give you some tips. Obviously, people, this is tongue in cheek. We're going to tell you what we've experienced and what really makes a super-duper dysfunctional divorce. And these are some tips or things that you should not do. So, I was telling Jennifer a story before we got started today that... I um for for those of you I, I you know mostly run the business at this point I have a few cases that I supervise and I step in but for the most part I'm not really practicing law actively anymore but I do poke my head in once in a while and I did that on a case and immediately regretted it because I was reminded how most attorneys handle their cases and I'll, I'll give you an example I sent a letter Because I represent the wife. The husband isn't paying the bills. He's just decided he's not going to pay the bills. And you can't do that. So I sent a letter. Very short and sweet. To the point. Didn't try to, you know, put, put any daggers in there. Just very to the point. Hey, your guy needs to resume paying the bills. I get back a three page nasty letter telling me what's wrong with me, what's wrong with my client, she's so terrible, she did all these terrible things, and she's a terrible person, and it became immediately apparent this woman had zero interest in actually trying to resolve anything, and I think that's such an incredible disservice to the parties involved, because they already know how to be dysfunctional, right, they already know how to fight with each other, they're very emotional, but why should the attorneys be? and why should the attorney's fan the flames like that
1: attorneys fan, fan the flames all the time and there's a couple different motivations at least that i see which the first is ego
0: yeah that's what you said
1: the attorneys a lot of times attorneys egos are very kind of wrapped up in their cases and in winning and everything is a is a fight to the death um the other motivation i see a lot is money because the more people fight, the more attorney's fees are going to incur. The more you fight, the more you pay. It's very simple. Yeah. So you'll see attorneys will that will give you like your example of sending a three-page letter in response to a very reasonable request in accordance with what the law says. And then they go crazy probably because instead of charging their client five minutes to respond to the simple letter, they get to charge them an hour to go crazy
0: yeah and it's and the, that letter it was obvious it wasn't designed to actually settle anything so if we're not settling then that means we're fighting and so if i was going to follow the script i'd write another letter right and then i'd have to respond to every nasty Copious thing letter that she said yeah, and then ridiculous. she's going to send me a letter and then i'm going to send her a letter and then she's going to say it's like i didn't send her a letter I didn't respond to it.
1: I, I actually, that's one of my favorite strategies is just to ignore them to their face.
0: Yes. I love that. Yeah. So I didn't respond and I'm glad my client was fine with that. She was like, I agree. Let's not even waste our time. But unfortunately, what we have to do now is, is file we, a motion. I have to file a motion. So yep. as we speak, my associate is, is drafting a motion. And so- you know,
1: the, 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 your adversary could, could be motivated by that. Well, if I don't agree to settle the temporary payment of the bills during the divorce, then they'll have to file a motion. And then the clients get charged, you know, five grand a pop for a motion. That's right.
0: Yeah, because you have to do the papers. You have to go to court. It's labor intensive. I think the worst part about that, though, is really what you're doing to the litigants, though. You're not helping them to learn how to deal with these differences in a much more functional way because they still have to co-parent. These people have children together. They still have to co-parent. They're going to have to learn how to communicate with each other at some point. And I certainly hope they're not going to use lawyers forever, but it doesn't help them to do that. It doesn't set a good example for them. And like you said, it just runs up their bill.
1: It does run up their bill, but you know, there are some cases where one of the spouses, you know, usually people go to get divorced. One person doesn't want the divorce. Yeah. Right. Yes. So you got one person who's super angry and is like, I'll fight to the death. You'll get nothing. I'd rather pay my attorney everything. I yes. pay you a dollar. Yes, you know, I think kind I've of <laughs> kind of drama. And then, but you know what? Those cases you do need to go to court and just smack them around and be like, Yeah, no, okay. Yeah. And then sometimes if you go to court and you get a good judge, which you know, hopefully you get a good judge who at least knows what they're doing, it can put a stop to it and set a really good change the whole tone of the litigation. Like, listen, we're not afraid to fight and I'm going to kick your butt if we go to court. So settle down.
0: That's right. Do you think that sometimes there's sort of a contest between the parties? Whose attorney is better? Whose attorney is going to kick your butt? Basically,
1: who can write the nastier letter? Well, you know, it's really funny because and I posted on Facebook this morning, which you saw. I don't
0: think I saw it. Did
1: I? You did. So I posted just on the New Jersey Family Lawyers close page that I'm in this case, and it's post-judgment, meaning the people are already divorced, and the ex-husband owes my client lots of money, piles and piles of money that he hasn't paid. And he was very angry and sent her a slew of texts-
0: Oh, yes, I did see that.
1: personally attacking her, and then personally attacking me, calling me the C-word, which I mean, big whoop, okay? If I had a dollar every time, I wouldn't (laughs) even be practicing anymore, or I'd have a lot more money in my retirement account. (laughs) But he, then he called me a fat C and that actually I'm made I, that made me mad. I was like, okay, you know what? Calling me the C word, fine. But you calling me a fat C, those are fighting words. That goes deep. So rude. Yeah. So rude.
0: <laughs> yeah. So what are you going to do about that one?
1: Um, we settled the case.
0: Wow. We settled the wow. case. That's awesome. We settled the case. So yeah, so that would probably I guess be tip number two is don't call your don't call your wife or your you know, your husband's lawyer a big fat C. I don't don't call your wife a big fat C either. You know, that might be
1: why you're getting divorced in the first place, too. I understand. People are angry and they all want to hate me and I'm totally fine with that. I expect to be hated, I'm fine being hated. I would rather them hate me than direct it at my client.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that there is a natural tendency to to hate the other lawyer that's involved in the case. But that is something I would want people to understand is that if you see the two attorneys actually getting along with each other and dare I say it, laughing, looking like maybe they're friends. It's a good thing. That is a good thing.
1: People people think that the attorneys should hate each other. But I, I tell them from the beginning when they come in from the consult, if I know who the other other side is, I'll say, OK, great. Because if the attorneys can get along, Christina, you know this, if the attorneys can get along and there's no ego and there's yeah. no, you know, whipping their out to say, sh- say who's is bigger, <laughs> which I'm fine doing that, too. And I always win. <laughs> um, <laughs> then the case will go much more efficiently. It'll be yeah. much more efficient. It'll cost less money. We, you can keep a lid on all of the high emotions that are running. So if your attorney is like personally attacking the other side and just fight, fight, fight every single letter, all that's going to do is cost you more time and more money.
0: Yeah. And might, it might feel good when you see that you're, you know, wow, yeah, she showed him, you know, it might make you feel good for a few minutes to see that, but you really do need to think about how it's costing you money. It and is. What's, you could do this for years. We, we could send nasty letters back and forth for years.
1: Well, and here's the other thing I think that people don't understand or don't realize um, is that I've now I just totally lost my train of thought.
0: <laughs> how much it's costing.
1: Well, how much it's costing and their attorney really is doing them a disservice. Their
0: attorney is, yes. So if you have an attorney who is strongly encouraging heavy litigation let's file motions let's go to court that's you know they might just be a one trick pony maybe that's just that's how they know how to do it so they don't know how to settle but that's a red flag for people in my mind
1: yeah i mean there's certain adversaries that i have that i'll say well to my client well okay because you're your spouse hired so and so it's going to take three times as long and cost three times what it should
0: exactly we won't say any names we won't say
1: any names but
0: there are some attorneys and i'm i'm going to say that a lot of them i think are older older than me i'm 44 they're like, I'll just say it. They're old. They probably should be retired. Okay. I'm not going to say any names, but they're oh. dinosaurs. And it's like, I think back in the day, that was just how everybody did everything. Everybody litigated. Everybody went to trial. The court system was just different then. it didn't take forever in a day to get a court date Yeah, like it does now. So I think if people weren't able to resolve things, they could get a trial date much faster They'd have consecutive trial dates. So I think it was just a different animal back then, but that's just not how things are now. So when I encounter some of these older attorneys, it really is like they're a one trick pony. They know how to do a trial. They're excellent trial attorneys, but they don't know how to settle a case.
1: Well, that and that's where I think the ego comes in. Yeah. Right. You know, because it is an adrenaline rush when you go to court. I Even after 17 years of practice, I still get an adrenaline rush. When I argue and I'm up there and it's so much fun. Especially when
0: you're winning. <laughs> Or even if I'm not, even
1: even just getting up there and just you know arguing my butt off is such a rush, and then you know my brain is done for the rest of the day.
0: Yes, it's exhausting to go to court. It's not like what they show on television. No,
1: and television is I think is our biggest enemy. Television and like neighbors. Yeah. Oh yeah, neighbors. Well, my neighbor is getting five million Mm dollars in alimony a year. I'm like, okay, so clearly married for two years. (laughs) Clearly, your neighbor makes a lot more money than you guys do. (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah oh no i love those questions when i hear well you know my neighbor who you know it's the same thing they have the same house they make the same amount of money and i don't understand like why am i getting screwed and i i hate having you you feel like you're in a position where you have to defend yourself
1: yeah and i really don't i say well then maybe you should hire your neighbor's lawyer because (laughs) here's the reality that we're dealing with and i also tell them the first time that they come into me i'm like listen it's not like you see on TV, and I don't give up what your neighbor's divorce is going on. The only person you need to listen to is me.
0: That's right. That's right. And if you can, you are paying
1: you. Correct. Right? You're paying, paying you. me for my advice. So take it. And if you don't trust me to take my advice, then by all means, go hire the neighbor's attorney.
0: Yeah, I've had the exact same conversation. I'll tell people, look, I know it's tempting, but don't listen to other people. They're not always truthful. Number oh, one. well, no. Yeah. They're not always truthful. Number two, they don't know what they're talking about. Correct. I mean, I've had my own clients come back and repeat things that I supposedly said this to them, and I'm like, I never said that. I think there was a misunderstanding. Um, so there's that. And th- some people just have a selective memory.
1: Well, and I think that in all fairness, you know, people going through a divorce, if they're lucky, that is the worst thing that's happened to them Mm -hmm. in their lives. And for a lot of people, it is the worst thing that happened in their lives. You know, nobody ever gets married thinking, okay, well, let me think about when we get divorced. You know, people don't, don't, can't even imagine that. And it's, it's a sad process, even when it's, even when it's right. Um, So I think that people hear what they want to hear.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. I think we probably all do that, right? Yeah, I
1: think everybody does it, just yeah. in everyday life, but especially divorced people that are just so emotional they can't see straight.
0: Yeah, that's true. So so if you want to avoid having the super-duper dysfunctional divorce, I would say listen to your attorney. If you trust your attorney, if you don't trust your attorney- That's You shouldn't, a red flag. You shouldn't have that attorney. And I really try to get all my people into therapy- Yes, I do too.
1: Um which is why I started my divorce support group 3 years oh, ago. Nice. Did you know I did that? No, I don't think I did. So 3 years ago, it was 3 years ago, July. I mean, you see such a need for it right? Yes, As divorce absolutely. lawyers, our clients are in so much pain and it can be such an alienating process because people don't walk around going, yeah, so my husband of 25 years just cheated on me and I'm devastated or or whatever. Or sometimes they do. <laughs> and, and then they alienate people
0: because that's another. Yeah, that's, epidemic, that's the other right? end of the spectrum. Yeah. yeah. You lose friends. That's because... correct.
1: You're, you're walking around telling everybody your sob story. Yeah.
0: And people don't want to hear it.
1: So I started this divorce support group which is just for um, it's not only for my clients i open it up to anyone it's for anyone who's thinking about a divorce going through a divorce or who is already divorced and just to be in the same room with people who can relate and understand i i rent the room at the church in red bank and i i pay the therapist i come and i bring Decaf coffee and snacks, I say hello, let them see that I have all my teeth, and I leave. <laughs> and then you're wearing shoes. And I'm not this big, scary person. No, I love um, that. I'm not there. To, it's not to try to steal anybody's clients or anything. It's really just to kind of try to fulfill fulfill the emotional need to help people have the emotional support that they they, they so de- desperately need, Jarna.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really missing piece that I see a lot in the practice of law right now, especially with divorce, because it is such an emotional and intimate experience that you're having yep. with somebody. Yep. But a lot of lawyers, and I think this goes back to the example that I gave of this woman who just you know sent me this re- reflexively sent me a three page letter with all these nasty things in it. I think a lot of attorneys don't really think carefully about what is my role here. Like, I don't see my clients as just a client with a legal problem. I actually don't think it's a legal problem at all. I think it's a family in crisis. And I wish that all of the attorneys that do divorce would look at it the same way and kind of like a doctor has to take an oath to do no more harm. I think attorneys should be doing that.
1: I think a lot of our colleagues that practice only matrimonial law do
0: the, I think there are for the lot of most good part ones.
1: I mean I think there's a lot of I mean a lot of my colleagues a lot of our colleagues are, are very good lawyers they see through it they they want to help calm the situation my experience has been more of the dabblers of like yeah lawyers don't that don't primarily practice divorce like come in you know guns blazing and I'm like okay settle down because yeah. I'm gonna have to school you and it's not gonna be pretty
0: yeah I think I we've we've warned people on this show before not to use dabblers. don't
1: use dabblers a dabbler somebody who does not do at least 50 percent of of well, yeah. matrimonial at least 50 we, percent. we've
0: actually said 100 percent. you want someone to do, this is all they do day in day yep, out correct. they've been doing it a long time correct
1: and i usually put it in terms of like a doctor i'm like if you have a problem with your brain you're not going to a foot doctor that's right just because it's an md that's
0: True. you know it's
1: very specialized like medicine in a lot of ways
0: absolutely yeah um but I think for me, when I encounter a new client and I have to dive into the situation, I like to tell them, look, let's let's deal with what's more immediate first yep. and try to do it as amicably as we can to try to help the person through it and not just look at it like it's just this legal equation that I have to solve. Because I do think some attorneys sort of have that approach. And I actually wanted, that brings me to another issue that I wanted to ask you. I think a lot of attorneys, again, they follow a script. It's, you know, they're not really looking at it. It's like, this is a family in crisis that I need to help. And the first thing they always want to do is just file a complaint. That's what we do. You know, we start, right? You go to the restaurant, you open the menu first, right? That's the first thing you do. Well, that's what we do when you get a divorce. We file a complaint. And John and I have talked many times that sometimes there are reasons why you would not want to file a complaint immediately. Agreed. OK, so that's sort of your really, approach, too. It is
1: my approach. It really depends on the facts and circumstances of the case. You know, sometimes if you file the complaint for divorce, right, you're filing a lawsuit, you're suing your spouse for divorce in family court, the filing of the complaint stops the accumulation of marital property. So you may have the spouse where you want to cut off the accumulation of marital property. There may be some reason or some urgency. Um, I also file a complaint immediately when it's clear to me that the other side is going to be a person who buries their head in the sand.
0: Yes. And they'll
1: say that they're going to go to mediation. All they do is spin their wheels to buy time for another six months before the, the the spouse who wants the divorce is like, yeah, okay, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, but there are definitely situations where I say, listen, let's go to mediation first absolutely, and try yeah. to work it out. We won't jerk around for a long time. I'm not interested in wasting time, but sometimes emotionally the client needs that too. Mm-hmm. They're saying, but I really want to be amicable. And I say, okay, but it's not only up to you. We can't yeah. force somebody to settle.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree 100%. Sometimes you
1: try. just be, Even even when I know it's going to fail, I say, yeah. okay, don't jerk around. Like, go have two sessions within two months and then, and then come back when it doesn't work.
0: Well, it's interesting because some people are – well, a lot of people are convinced, I'm not going to mediation. It's not going to work. You know, he's never going to agree to anything or she's never going to agree to anything. And I say, you know, everybody says that, but – I don't know what the statistic is now, but something like 98 or 99% oh, yeah. of cases settle. And a lot, I don't know the statistic on this, but how many of them go to mediation and settle? Most cases settle. And most cases, Eventually, many cases settle on yes. mediation.
1: Yes. But, but mediation built into the court process is you know six to eight months oh, after yes. the complaint. And so yes. they've had six months of attorney's fees. They've had six months of heartache. And then they're getting to the point of like, okay, I'm so done. I'm ready to compromise. So it's those rare cases that where usually I tell people mediation before filing for divorce is only going to work if they're on the same emotional page.
0: Yes. Like we both sure. know the
1: marriage is over. We, we're, we're over the anger. We both want the divorce. In those cases – Absolutely, But in the cases where one person doesn't want it. Eh. Yeah.
0: I think the one who doesn't want it, though, eventually they get to a point. Everybody's different right? yep. in their, their yep. thought process. But eventually they get to a point where they realize, OK, you know, this is happening. I can't stop it. My spouse wants a divorce. We've been we've been going down this road. And now it's so excruciating that I really just want to get it. just want to get out. Yep. Yeah, so they, they acknowledge that it's happening. They just want to get it done.
1: And that's when it settles.
0: Yeah, that is when it when settles. When everybody's
1: ready to compromise and ready to be done. And it's important throughout the cor- the the process. You know, you, you were trying to settle, and, and we can't keep going back to that example, of you trying to settle the, the payment of the bills just during the penancy of the divorce. Like, we have to prioritize. You have to prioritize what you want in order of priority. If you have 10 things on your list, and I tell you, you can only have five.
0: yeah. Yeah. What
1: are your top five? Mm-hmm.
0: It's brilliant, Jennifer. <laughs> brilliant. That's yes. why we're friends. This, this
1: is rocket science. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, but you know what? It's, I think when people go to their lawyer initially, though, they, they're they distraught. They don't know what yeah. to do. Yep. They, they can't imagine their life after being married. Right? Correct. Even the ones who want the divorce, they're very scared, too. They don't know what it's going to look like.
1: 100%. And I
0: think it's our role to help them with that. Almost like. Coaches,
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I look at my job as to do everything that I can to set them up for the next chapter as best as I can. And I really do that because it's the children that I'm worried about.
0: Yes. I'm yes. worried
1: about the kids because if I can set my client up and the kids are going to have a peaceful household And they're going to have food on the table and be able to keep the lights on, maybe in a smaller house. Mom may have to go back to work, whatever it is, but at least the kids will have peace.
0: Yes. That's
1: really my end game. Because the one thing that makes me crazy, and talk about dysfunctional divorce litigation, is when people involve the children.
0: Yeah. You and I, we think alike. Oh, it makes me insane. Okay. Um yeah that was going to be my next topic is if you want to have a super duper dysfunctional divorce involve your kids fight fight in front of your kids tell your kids about mom or dad's Cheating. affair yeah tell
1: That's them about
0: one. the new the new boyfriend or the new girlfriend i will never understand why people think that it's appropriate or acceptable to talk about their marital problems
1: to their children.
0: Yes, to their children. Agreed. I don't, and I don't care how old they are.
1: Agreed. I feel the same way.
0: I don't care if they're five or if they're ten or if they're twenty-five. Agreed. You, there are a million other people in the world that you can talk about your divorce with and your marital problems and the fact that your husband had a, an affair or whatever the case may be. Don't talk about it with your kids. No,
1: shut your mouth. And I tell them, and I do this a lot in parent coordinating too, Mm -hmm. is I tell my clients or or whoever I'm I'm with, like, listen, if you don't shut your mouth and if you don't change either talking about, don't talk about your spouse too badly to or in front of the children, don't trash their father. That's who you chose to be the father of your children. You can't now unchoose them, so shut your mouth. That's right. Because the kids... When they reach adulthood, especially like, you know, mid to late 20s, and they're adults and they they look back and they see their parents divorced from more of an adult yes. perspective, they're going to hold – they're going to take them to task. They're yeah. going to go, mom – you know what? You really, how, how could you have done that to me or dad? Like, why did you do that? And they will take you to task. And I, I tell my clients all the time, like, listen, the way that you behave during the divorce process is going to have a long-term permanent effect on your relationship with your children. Yes. So behave.
0: It's true. And I think a lot of people just don't take responsibility for that. Even if you, what would you, and you can tell me what you think, but Even if you, let's say your mom and dad is the one that's talking smack about you all the time, it's really difficult sometimes for mom to say, well, I don't know what to do because he's, he's the one Mm -hmm. talking about all this Mm -hmm. stuff and I feel like they believe him and then I'm not saying anything and I feel like now I'm in a position where I have to defend myself. What do you tell those people?
1: Well, it depends on how old the children are, first of all, and I get this all the time from my clients. They get the pushback being like, Jen. She is trashing me so badly and you're telling me to keep my mouth shut and that doesn't feel fair to me. I need to defend myself. I go, no, 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 no. If the kids are teenagers, I say like 11 and up. Yeah. Then I say, tell them to explain just enough and don't go into details. I'm sorry that your mom is talking to you about that stuff, but that's an adult matter between me and your mother. Know that I love you. Know that I don't want you hurt through this and and leave it at that. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. It's an adult conversation. And then mom's like, well, you know, your dad wants to leave us and create a new family. Yeah. And
0: your dad doesn't awful. care about
1: us anymore. It's awful. It's awful.
0: If you're doing that, please think about what you're actually saying to your kids because it might make you feel good on some level that, well, now I'm going to get all my children's love. Correct. But you're really damaging them.
1: 100% emotionally damaging your children by putting them in the middle. You know, kids love both of their parents. Kids want to see both of their parents. It's another one that we always hear. Well, but my six-year-old doesn't want to go to mom. I'm like, okay, so let me be clear. When your six-year-old, your 10-year-old, your teenager is with you, they're going to say, I don't want to go to mom.
0: Because they when, know
1: it's the right answer. When they go, when they're with mom, they're going to say, I don't want to go to dad. Because yes. they want to please both of them. And people yeah. are like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not true for yes. my children. I'm yes, like, it's yeah, true. okay. It's true. Shut your mouth.
0: Well, I remember one time I was on the phone with somebody. This was a, a, going a while back. And she was insisting that she doesn't talk to the kids. And she, you know, she doesn't talk about it around the kids. Because this was becoming a problem in the case. And I could hear the kid in the background as she was bad mouthing the husband on the phone mm, to me. Mm-mm. And I heard the kid in the background and I had to call her out on it. I had to. She was insisting I don't do that. And I'm like, but, uh, you know, so and so Jane, I'll just make up a name. Jane, I hear your son. I hear him. Is He's either in the room Or he's in another room and you think he's not listening.
1: Oh my God. I got a call from a client a couple weeks ago. It was one of my male clients and he had me on speaker in the car. Oh. And so as soon as I hear him on speaker, I say, who else is in the car with you? I mean, for attorney client privilege, obviously, but also Mm -hmm. I want to make sure the kids aren't in the car and he's like, oh, I'm driving my son to, to practice. And I'm like, okay, I'll talk to you later. Click. And I hang up the phone. Yeah. Like, what is wrong with you? And,
0: you know, maybe that was very innocent. Maybe people really... Because, look, I don't have children, but I have a goddaughter. You know her, Sydney, and she's six. And I really have to pay more attention to what I do and say when I'm around her. Mm -hmm. Because she is such a little sponge. They're sponges. And she'll repeat things to me that I said, or, you know, maybe I'll slip and I'll curse and... And I just think she's not listening because she's off playing with her dolls or something.
1: Oh, no. But she is. They are. Kids are always so much more aware than parents ever want to begin to believe.
0: Yes. So really, please, you know, and, you know, the topic is how to make your divorce super duper dysfunctional. I don't want the topic to be how to make your kids super duper dysfunctional because they are listening. They hear everything. And you know what? You're teaching them. You're modeling behavior for them. Correct. You are teaching them how to act. Correct. You're teaching them how do I deal with conflict?
1: How do I deal with crisis? That's right. How do I deal with crisis? How do I deal with conflict? Um, yes, you know, the parent's devastated, but, you know, pick yourself up. Show that to your children that you will pick yourself up and you will move forward.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I, I've kind of, it's sort of an epiphany that I had myself where, you know, when your kids are really little, Mm -hmm. they don't know how to do anything. You know, they don't know how to hold a fork. They don't know how to drink out of a cup. They mimic every single thing that you do. And it's, it's sort of fun because at some point you can say, Hey, Sydney, you know, go tell daddy to, you know, bring me my coffee and she'll just do it. You know, she doesn't think about it. Okay. You know, she just goes and does it. Or, you know, if they see you vacuuming the floor, they want to copy you. Everything, right? It's kind of a fun age.
1: It is. Although they're like little mirrors. They are. Not always in a good way. Like when I'm driving in the car and somebody, you know, (laughs) cuts me off or something and my eight-year-old is yelling from the back, what a jack. And I'm like, oh.
0: <laughs> I know, right? Like, where oh. did he get that from? Um,
1: my husband turns to me. He's like, yeah, you're a child. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah I don't know.
0: I don't, I don't think it changes, though. I mean, we see it so blatantly when they're little when they're really tiny and they're mimicking everything that we do. But I think they still do that.
1: It's just very subtle. One hundred percent. And in their own interpersonal relationships, like with their friends at school the The dynamic and the relationship at home gets mimicked everywhere throughout their life. It's not just like, oh, well, they know that only happens at home, or they know I tell them to never do that. I'm like, yeah, okay, then just don't do it. How yes. about don't do it?
0: Yes, it's sort of like do as I say, not as I do. Correct. But you know, if if someone actually wants to take some more time to maybe reflect on this, think about what what would you want to tell your daughter or your son to do or how to act. If they were going through a divorce, because I'll think about this a lot with Sydney, obviously not in the divorce context, but, but, you know, um, in some other context, like women can, we can all be really hard on ourselves, right? Like Mm -hmm. we can say, Oh, you know, I look so fat in that picture or, you know, my hair looks terrible or I could have done that radio show better. But would you say that to your daughter or your son? You wouldn't say that. So it's sort of interesting why do we say it to ourselves, but I think that's another topic, another show. But I try to think, you know, what would I want to tell Sydney? How would I tell her to handle a situation? And if you would tell her something different than what you're doing, that's probably a sign that maybe you need to rethink your strategy. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's just human nature that people never want to take accountability.
0: Yeah, I think it is. They
1: never want to take accountability because it's always easier to blame somebody else than it is themselves. Like the the typical situation that we see is somebody will come in and they'll say, oh, you know, my husband's cheating on me and and I, I caught him and I confronted him and I go, wait, 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 let me guess it's your fault that he cheated. And they go, oh my God, how did you know? And I said, because it's easier. What's he going to say? I cheated on you because. Because I'm a jerk. And I wasn't mature enough to go to therapy or deal with the problems we were having. And instead, I was just self-destructive and cheated. No, he's not going to say that. He's going to say, it's your fault because you're fat or whatever their issue is. is. dyed your hair. Correct. (laughs) You're not blonde anymore. Nonsense. Nonsense. Yeah, it is. And it's really, it's really painful because women normally, like you were just saying, We'll take it in and be like, if only I was 20 pounds lighter. Yeah, yeah no, you still would have cheated. Just yeah. let's be clear. Yeah. Yeah. Like
0: we, we talked about that subject recently. I think we could do another show on that. Um, but I think another way that's sort of related that you can make your divorce super duper dysfunctional is, Hey, let's invite the kids to my new, in, um, and oh, in, in, introduce the kids to my new girlfriend on, on
1: our second date. <laughs>
0: Or the new boyfriend, you know, because it doesn't go second, both ways. Yeah,
1: but in my experience has been that women are usually better. I about, think you're
0: right. I don't want to alienate anybody I'm not in trying our to, audience. I'm just
1: saying this is what I say.
0: I I think you're right. I think I uh, unfortunately do see it more more often. I yell at
1: my male clients I do ten too. times more than my women clients of stop introducing the flavor of the week to your 10 and 12 year old
0: yeah what is the reason for oh that? oh my I god can't even i don't that. know
1: i don't know i mean i understand that you know generally speaking men men are not usually alone for long
0: yeah statistically men they're find really faster they, and they, they, they really remarry do. faster they
1: they do so i don't i don't know or maybe they're trying to recreate the family unit like immediately without stopping to think that wow this is gonna screw up my children or maybe
0: they just need someone to cooking clean <laughs> okay that was wrong i shouldn't have said that i take it back not really um but we hear that a lot and it's always a problem because and we're generalizing but if it's dad that's you know he's in love again he's in love oh, yeah. and he's gotta shout it from the rooftops and he Jen, wants you don't his...
1: understand i'm in love yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay
0: Have you? i'm sure you that?
1: oh my god yes
0: you know what though it's not about you
1: yeah, like, it's not about you. Settle down. Stop
0: thinking about you for 5 seconds, yep. okay? Is it really in your children's best interest to know that there's some other woman in your life that you're madly in love and now not only do they have to get adjusted to the fact that mom and dad are getting a divorce, maybe not living together or aren't going to be living together much longer, and now I got to deal with the fact that dad has this other woman who's not my mother and, you know, maybe my mom's upset about it. It's a lot to dump on a kid.
1: Well, it is. And, and what the, what, and I'll just say men, since it usually is, what men need to realize is that if they introduce a new woman to their children too soon, there's basically no hope for those children to have a good relationship with their new spouse. Yeah. They're starting out on a really bad foot by shoving the new woman down their throat too quickly and she could be a lovely woman and who wants to be there and be positive and but the children are going to hate her forever yeah if he introduces them too soon and tries to force it
0: yeah too they, soon they might see her as the cause of well you know, divorce, whether that's I'm, even true or not
1: correct but mom may be saying
0: yes yeah because yeah. mom's upset yeah, there's a whole lot that could be going on there, but I always tell my guys, just take the high road, you know, t- t- go talk to a therapist. I don't 100%. pretend to be a therapist. You know, I some of this stuff is common sense. Some of it I've sort of learned here and there because of what I do for a living, but I always tell them, go see a therapist t- and talk about this stuff because every kid isn't the same, right? I mean, yeah.
1: <clears throat> sometimes the kids have issues or they have anxiety or they have special needs I mean there's a whole host of
0: some kids issues. might just be coping better with the changes and another one isn't. And or the
1: or their kids are teenagers and they don't yeah. really want to spend time with either one of them. Yeah, right. So see ya, mom and dad. Yeah, I don't really want to be with either one of you because I'm fifteen. And there's that too.
0: Yeah. Um so I that's what I tell my people and the other reason I tell them not to do that is Partly because I think they should keep the relationship on the down low. I mean, if it's already out in the open, then that's obviously it's it's out. You can't, you can't hide it. And I won't tell them to hide it. Like, don't lie about anything. But if you're going through a divorce and it's high conflict, especially telling your wife that you have a new girlfriend is not going to do anything good to get that case settled. It's just going to piss them off.
1: No, I have a case right now where the parties were married for over 30 years and they have adult children and and husband left wife for another woman and tried to shove her down the, the adult children's throats. And the adult children now don't want anything to do with dad, and which makes me sad because it's yeah. still their father, but they're, they're very angry and upset. And then we've got the new girlfriend who's literally trying to text the children and then is texting – my client, who's the wife of over 30 years, saying, I'm so much better in bed than you ever were. Oh. And he never really loved you. He loves me. And I'm like, oh, oh my man. God. It's So I called my adversary, who's a good adversary. I called her and I said, listen, this is what's going on. I forwarded her the text. She's like, yeah, I'll put a stop to that right now. I said, because how, how am I going to settle this case when my client is being bombarded and emotionally, purposefully hurt yeah. like that?
0: Well, do you think that on some level, people just don't want to settle? I mean, do they really just settle when they want to? I think that people want to be vindicated. Yeah. Which is, I don't think that's possible.
1: I don't either. Because you married each other for a reason. At one point, you loved each other. You had kids together. To be that disrespectful or to the to feel, I don't know, they feel compelled to justify the reason for getting a divorce I tell people all the time: You're allowed to get divorced if you're not happy. That that's reason enough. Yes,
0: right. There doesn't need to be. There a doesn't reason. have to
1: be this big, huge thing. Like if you've if you've grown apart, you've been married for 25 years, and you've grown apart instead of growing together, and your kids are grown, and you've got another 25 years of life probably. Go be happy. Yeah.
0: That's interesting, because I was just talking to a friend the other day about. She's not married, but she's dating somebody, and. She's not happy, you know, and she's, she's going on about all these things that this person has done or said that weren't very nice. But then we'll follow it up and say, oh, but he's not a bad guy. And I had to kind of point out, well, what does one really have to do with the other? Well, first of all, I'd say if he's, if he's being unkind to you, then he probably is a bad guy. But that's another conversation. But my point was, he doesn't have to be a bad guy. For you to want to leave the relationship. Yeah, that sounds like
1: a rationalization right? for staying, yeah.
0: But I think a lot of people do that. They have to, in their mind, they have to find some good enough reason to end the relationship. It's not enough to just say, I'm just not happy anymore.
1: Yeah, usually. And and, and here's the thing. I mean, re- cheating is just a symptom, right? Yeah, it is. From where I'm sitting, my experience has been there's been problems at least for five years before somebody comes into my office. Well,
0: that's pretty, oh, yeah. For, it's about for a five divorce? years.
1: Yep. Wow. They've been unhappy for five years.
0: Yeah, I would say it's been a long time. And
1: I can usually track it back to some major life event of that kind of turned the course of their marriage. Usually it's the death of an immediate family member, a parent, or a sibling. Um, or some major life event when when things start to slowly kind of unravel.
0: That's interesting. And it's about That's- a
1: five-year road to my office because
0: uh, yeah we've said that a million times and i think this is just common sense people understand that you don't just wake up one day like and yesterday i was happy and today i'm not so i think i'm gonna go see the uh nobody comes in and says you know
1: i've been unhappy for like three months yeah yeah Yeah. no when you sit when people sit and think about it i'm like they'll say i had a woman i who i recently got divorced and and she'd come in to see me in like january and i said how long you been having problems she's like since september i go no she goes what do you mean no? I said, "No, go back. Well, no, nope, go back. And then really, sure she enough, was we. Insisting figured- that yeah, it was- she was like, oh, no, things have only been bad like for six months. I'm like, yeah, no honey. No it's way. been bad for at least five five that. years.
0: So I agree with you a hundred percent there, and and what I would want is, people expect us because we're divorce lawyers, that we're supposed to just convince everybody that they're miserable, <laughs> that they need a divorce. but it's really not true. I What I want is for people who truly are unhappy and dissatisfied in their marriage, if, if it's not something that's fixable, and if you've been working on that for 20 years, it's not fixable, okay? Yeah, I mean, working. you've been really working. You've been communicating. You've gotten to therapy. That's what I really mean is that you've w- worked on it, and it's just not getting better. That discontent isn't going away. It's okay to admit that. You don't have to make someone a bad person. And
1: you don't have to feel like a failure.
0: No. That's another big
1: one is people feel like they failed or people who have a very religious component in their life. They have, they're guilty. They're, you know, especially the Catholics Mm -hmm. or the Christians.
0: What I hear a lot too is people worrying about what someone else is going to think. I I had someone more recently. I'm very concerned about what her mother was going to think because her mother was just, and you know, we could psychoanalyze the mother, but I don't know enough about her. But you know, she had sort of had the opinion that you know, marriage—that's just how it is, and it's not always happy. And you made a commitment, and you just stick with it. So maybe mom had an unhappy marriage. Well, for that's a long what
1: I—that's what my first thought would be was that well, mom just sucked it up all these years, and then you, your daughter, her daughter's going to have more guts than mom ever had. So of course, mom's going to want to keep daughter in the unhappy marriage because. That ma- yeah. that's comfortable for her
0: and normal, yeah. But to her, that's normal. that's normal, and she probably thinks that she's giving her daughter good advice.
1: It's it's true though. I mean, I tell people all the time because they'll say, "Well, I've stayed for the kids," and it makes me.
0: I don't. <laughs> makes I me insane cr- total I, bull. I do. I've always said that. I think it's just an excuse. It is. And I've argued with people about it. Some people are like, no, that's not true. And you just don't understand because you don't have kids. I hate that. Don't tell me I don't
1: understand something because I don't have kids. But
0: I I think it's, I think you're right. It's a BS.
1: It's just an excuse. It's an excuse because making the decision to get divorced from where I'm sitting is the much braver decision.
0: It is. Because they're
1: stepping into the unknown. They're scared you know, scared out of their minds. What's my life going to be like? Am I going to be able to pay the bills? Am I damaging my children by getting a divorce? Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's all very scary. Staying is the much easier course because you're staying in your comfort zone. That's completely dysfunctional. Yes. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, listen, if you're okay, because they'll come in and they'll go, I'm on the fence. I don't know. I just want to know my rights. I'm just mulling it over, but I've stayed together for the children. And I say, okay, If you're okay with your children growing up and recreating your marriage and recreating the dynamic of the relationship, then by all means, stay married. That really, for me, is the litmus test. Yeah. So if you're coming in here and you're sitting here and you're telling me that your husband is emotionally abusive and you have a 10-year-old daughter, if you're okay with your daughter growing up and marrying somebody who is emotionally abusive, then by all means, stay married.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, I actually had a tough conversation with a friend of mine a long time ago who was very unhappy in his marriage and he was having extramarital affairs. And I think he just sort of used that as an excuse, like a sort of a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. Like, well, I'm not going to leave because I don't want to leave the kids. And, but I guess I'll just do this on the side. And I said, you know what, you, you, how would you feel if your daughter Mm-hmm. ended up with somebody like you who did that
1: to her 100 percent.
0: because that's what will happen it's so subconscious it's so, so subconscious buried deep in there
1: but when you really kind of smack people in the face with that reality and then i start asking them questions like okay your husband's verbally abusive tell me about your parents
0: yeah and then
1: and then turns out one of their parents was emotionally abusive to them growing up and people recreate patterns people go yeah, to what do. they know for better or for worse. So if they had a cycle of violence or abuse or even just somebody who's putting you down all the time, they're going to grow up and they're going to recreate that.
0: Yeah, definitely they do. It's I mean, so sad. If you look at your own life, we can we can look back at what environment we grew up in. What patterns are we repeating?
1: Correct. I mean, the only thing that stopped me was was a lot of therapy.
0: Yeah. It's funny because I've I've done coaching, I've done therapy, and I kind of go back and forth. Like, they're very different. I guess there's some overlap, but they're very different. And sometimes I'll get coached out where I'm just like, I can't stand the coaches anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm so sick of all the – they have a tendency to sometimes use a lot of the same language. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I can't take the
1: coaches anymore. It feels a little canned, yeah.
0: Yeah, I was like, I can't anymore. But then I'll go back to therapy and I'll just realize, like, I don't like this either. (laughs) You know, because they all say the same stuff, too. So there's got to be some hybrid. Maybe we can maybe we can figure that out. We could do some kind of hybrid. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. Yes. Um, So we've got a little bit of time left. Is there anything else you can think of that would be a public service announcement to tell people? Don't do this <laughs> because it's gonna make your divorce super duper disability. Really, my
1: my really only rule is really step outside of yourself and think about what you're doing to your children. It's gonna have long term effects. Don't put them in the middle, don't fight over them. The holidays are coming. The first round of holidays are so hard for people when they're sharing the kid. And I say to my clients, like, listen, if you're a hot mess, your kids are going to be a hot mess. If you're okay, they'll be okay. Again, leading by example, like we're talking about earlier. So if you're going to be hysterically like hysterical in the fetal position on Thanksgiving day, Wait until your kids go out of the house and you say, have a great time with dad. Yes. Then go in and eat a pint of ice cream and drink a bottle of wine and cry in the fetal position. And then you put a smile on your face when they come back and you say, I hope you had a great time.
0: I agree. I agree with that 100%. There's no worse feeling for a kid, no matter how old they are, Mm -hmm. there's no worse feeling than for them to feel guilty. And because they do they want to go to they dad's worry house.
1: and they worry about the parent that they're leaving. They feel guilty for leaving their parent. They feel guilty for going to wanting to go to the other parents house.
0: Yeah, I actually had a case one time where I spoke to a custody evaluator, um, someone you would know, someone I respect very much. And the issue was that um, I represented dad and he was worried because his son lived with the mom and he wasn't going to school and when he asked him about it he just seemed to have this fear about Leaving going to school well well, you're smarter than i am because i didn't realize you want to leave i his thought mother. yeah i thought there was something going he's on worried. at school he's worried and he said no i think it's something's going on at home with mom mm-hmm. and he had sort of become mom's caretaker
1: yes and and probably codependent
0: yeah, and uh, and this was goes way back. The, I I haven't talked to him in a long time, and I hope that that whole situation. They, got they worry.
1: They worry what the other parent is doing. They worry if they're going to be alone. They worry if they're if they're able to sleep. I mean, kids really worry about both of them, and especially the parent that they're not with, and the parent who has them needs to reassure them. Yeah, yeah. and not make them feel guilty for going to their friggin' parents, yes. the other parent, for frigging holiday.
0: Yeah, and if you're listening to this going, I don't do that, because <laughs> that's, I, you know, I've had arguments with clients like that, but, um, you know, maybe maybe you don't, but I would really ask you, please take a careful look at, is there anything that you could be doing better? Yeah. Because maybe you are doing some of these things on some well, level. Yeah, it's natural. It's natural. Right? It's emotional. And I think that's always first and foremost is what's going on with the kids.
1: And I think it's important for the parent who's who's upset that their kids are going with the other parent, go do something for yourself go out with yeah. your friends, go to the spa. Have some fun. Have some alone time, especially yeah. if you're, you know, a mom. It's, you know, get to, enjoy that alone time and don't feel bad about it.
0: What about the people that don't have kids? I mean, some people might think, "Oh, they have it so easy cuz they, they don't have kids." I, it does add a whole other layer a whole of other level. stuff yeah. because we're not talking about the furniture, right? We're not talking about retirement plans. We're talking about kids. Um, but I would say that a lot of this stuff applies still to people that don't have kids obviously you don't need to be worried about talking to your kids about. well 100 percent. But... if
1: they've been married and they've spent the last 10 holidays with this person then yeah it's gonna it's still the unknown and recreating a new life for themselves yeah. and what does that look like and am i better to stay is it going to be worse for me i mean all those fears are normal
0: yeah um i would love to talk about that more um on another show maybe you would be so kind as to participate in that jennifer I would love to. Because you're very wise. Oh, I think you. Your wisdom you. is shining through. <laughs> but I think that's something that I struggle with a lot as the attorney. I struggle with when I get someone who comes in and they spend an hour talking about how miserable their marriage is and how unhappy they are. And then at the end,
1: they're like, I don't want to like, get a divorce. Well,
0: I got to think about
1: it. I'm just like, what?
0: What are you thinking about? What it's hard.
1: Are you about? It's so hard for people. I get that. I have a lot of compassion for my clients. I mean, my parents are divorced. Um, I've been through it. I, so I really always see it from the child's perspective, especially when I'm doing parent coordinating. How old were you when it happened? My parents were married at 19, divorced at 20.
0: Okay. Okay. And
1: then my mother had a long-term relationship that wasn't good. Mm. Um, And then my life got a lot better when that relationship ended. Okay. And then I, you know, I didn't have a relationship with my father for most of my childhood. We have one now, which I'm thankful for. Um, but I tell clients too, I said, don't cut the, don't, don't you dare cut the other parent out because that's going to create other problems for the child. And then uh, sometimes I'll tell them about my own experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm all about the kids and if I need to yell at them or shove my foot up their butt, well,
0: (laughs) you will. And I heard a story once how you threw a chair at mediation, but that's all we have. (laughs) That's all we have for today,
1: folks. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. Thank you for coming on. I've been dying to get you on here my for pleasure. some time my now. Pleasure. And, and I see why, because I was right. You were great. But why don't you share with people more about your divorce group? How can people get in touch with you if they maybe want to use your services? My my
1: law firm is located in Red Bank. It's the law office of Jennifer McCaskill. Um, my support group is on my website, which is Um And it's free. It's open to anyone, and it's free. It's the second Monday of every month from 730 to 9 um, in the back of the Red Bank United Methodist Church on Broad Street. I've got people that come from all over the state.
0: I think that's so awesome.
1: They, they, they They have a very good group. They really support each other. It makes me really happy.
0: Good. Thank you for sharing that. Jen McCaskill doing her part to save the world. You're listening to Divorce Happy Hour. Thank you so much. If you have any questions for me or um, you need our services at the firm, because, you know, Jennifer McCaskill's not all that.
1: Christina and John are fantastic (laughs) attorneys. I'll tell you that.